In three, two, one. Welcome. Welcome to the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast, where we cover anything related to behavior change that will increase your long-term wellness and happiness. And now, here are your hosts, personal trainer and RNs, Matt and Jenna Lane. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Jenna. And today... We finally feel ready to talk about this hot topic button, the coronavirus. We did not want to talk about this without uh, qualified people being here. They just happen to be our friends. Um, thank you both so much for coming on. Who are you? Tell them who you are. I am Chris Crowley. I'm one of the anesthesia intensivists at Sacred Heart here in Pensacola. So I'm a board certified critical care physician and I'm board certified in anesthesiology. I've been practicing for about 20 years now. My qualifications aren't quite like Chris. I'm a Jerry drinker. I'm a family nurse practitioner for 24 years. Okay. Yeah. So that's more than qualified. Yes. Both, both <laughs> highly years qualified. Of nursing experience. Yeah. <laughs> both highly, highly qualified. Um, I worked uh, with Dr. Crowley in the ICU when I was in the ICU. Uh, we've known each other for quite some time now. Um, if you're new to this podcast, we are all about implementing behavior change for your long-term wellness and happiness. And my gosh, at a time right now with the coronavirus, that couldn't be more evident that that's how it should be. Um, if you are listening to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all of those major platforms, you can watch this at the BTYE podcast on YouTube. And I'll pu I will put a link down below so you can check that out because, yes, there's a visual to this. You can see these beautiful faces. <laughs> at the top of every show, we hit you with our... Gratitude, gratitude point. point. This, hey. grat this gratitude <laughs> point is something that hopefully will shift your perspective um, in in times where you feel down when there is not things to be thankful for. There really is if you can reach for this gratitude point. And I'll let you go first because it feels like I've been going first a lot lately. Yeah. Sure. All right. <laughs> no, um, you know, I think we take for granted how quickly we get our information, how easily our information is accessible, um, regardless of whether that's accurate or inaccurate information. But I, I think, you know, um, being able to have the information that we have available to us so quickly is, is a really great advantage. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. It's true. It's true. But if you have really intelligent friends, that also really helps just to shoot yeah. a text to, to know <laughs> if, 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 if you know what you're actually talking about. Um, I'd have to say that my gratitude point is knowing that I have time. I'm 30 years old and I, um, I'm still young and I know that um, I've questioned if I'm moving quick enough, if I'm learning quick enough, if I'm progressing quick enough and there's still time. Um, but at the same time, if you're, if you're, if you remain stagnant, Time can burn right by, but I'm appreciative mm -hmm. of the time that I do have ahead of me. Um, so, boys, if you have a gratitude point, hit us with it. If you don't, it's okay. We can move on, putting you on the spot. Well, obviously, at this point in time, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for and appreciative of my health, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. something that we're all um, right now worried about, and yep. the, the health of not ourselves only, but of the others around us. I'm thankful and uh, uh, grateful for the health of myself and my family at this point. Yeah. I'd probably have to say that I'm just grateful for the health care that we all do have available. There you go. We're in an area where we're very fortunate. We're unfortunate to be dealing with this right now, but we're also fortunate to have the resources that we have. That's true. A thousand percent. And, you know, we did, we did want to mention that we want to stay as far away from politics in this as we possibly can. We, tr we truly want to just present 
the look at me touching my face. Uh, we yeah. tr- <laughs> we, tr- <laughs> we truly would just want to present the you know the medical facts and what we understand. And um, you know, we actually already had one comment saying, you know, you know, be careful of what you listen to out there. And it was about actually this podcast. It was a post, and somebody said, you know, be careful of what you listen to. And I fully agree with that comment. You know. Uh, we're presenting what we understand. The only reason that we are having this podcast is because we know that Chris and Jerry are highly qualified and um, we trust what they say. We know that they are updated on all, the, on all of the information from the CDC and the leading, leading information. And that's actually going to be one of the questions that we have for you. But um, starting out, I think, I think it makes the most sense to sort of talk about the coronavirus and all the hype. Can we narrow down what it actually is? What the heck is the coronavirus? And, um, sure. Let me just jump back. To sure. What sure. Sure. On as well. I think that's really important for uh, everyone listening out there to, to be sure they're verifying the sources and where they're getting the information. I actually saw that comment um, and, and I couldn't have a- agreed with the individual that posted it more. Yep. We need to be very cautious about where we're consuming this information. And uh, what we're talking about today is the information as we understand it today. This is a rapidly changing situation. And what we talk about today may be very different a few days or a week from now. Mm-hmm. And so we all need to, to be vigilant and aware and, and stay up to date. And so, yeah, we're happy to discuss these things. But I do think you have some very informed uh, listeners out there. And they, yep. they need to be aware of where they're consuming their information. Yep. Um, so, you know, what is this virus? So it is it is a, a corona virus. Corona simply refers to the, the shape of the virus we've all probably probably seen the photos of this circulating around with the nice little red spikes all around it and uh, that a crown appearance that allows this type of virus to infect our cells. What's really unique about this specific strain is we haven't seen it in the human population before. So mm-hmm. our bodies have no uh, recognition of this from past exposures. There's no uh, immunity that any of us have to this. And it appears to be very highly contagious. So when we've seen other uh, outbreaks in the past, some of these things have been really deadly. And so they do infect a lot of people, but they die pretty quickly. And so we don't have time for it to spread throughout the world, throughout large populations, Mm -hmm. like we're seeing this. So this is a very deadly virus. It's very contagious, but not to the degree that some of the more severe uh, epidemics we've seen in the past have been. And so this has spread quickly around the world and infecting a large number of people. And we know there are certain... uh, subsets of the population that are greater risk for complications than, than others. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and I see a lot of people comparing uh, flu cases and mm-hmm. flu deaths to the coronavirus deaths. Why is that not a good idea? Well, I mean, first of all, it's a totally different type of virus. And, and as I've, I've said uh, earlier, this, our bodies have, have not seen this before. And I think it's really early for us to know actually what the mortality or what the death rate from this is going to pan out to be from in early, the in the long run. You in mean. the long run, sure. Yeah. Mm. And so we know from early data that you know this is some estimates have been uh, you know up as high as three to four percent range. And uh, when you're talking about flu deaths, most of those are less than one percent. So we know that the the mortality rate from this, at least in the early uh, studies, have been higher. One of the the confounding factors there is that we don't know how many people have this virus that haven't mm-hmm. been tested. And so for everyone that we have tested that okay. we know has this, there may be many others out in the population that are either not sick enough to require hospitalization or they have not sought out a test. And so uh, these numbers may be skewed and we may be seeing a slightly higher mortality rate than, than the reality of this uh, once we get a better handle of how many people in the population actually are infected with this virus. Yeah, okay. Good point. Um, so 
I did some Facebook investigation and found some <laughs> advice Facebook, right? <laughs> circulating. Yes, that's where some people get all of their medical knowledge. So I just wanted to uh, just to clarify some common advice that I saw on Facebook. Um, one was saying that the virus is not heat resistant. So to drink some hot water. Does that seem to be that, that that is not effective? If it did, okay. if it was effective, we'd be drinking hot water all yeah, over right. the world right okay. now, not seeing these big outbreaks. I know that's not not effective. Another common one I saw was to drink water every fifteen minutes to clear your throat of the virus. Yeah, also not effective. It's very important that we stay hydrated, just in general, and, and we talk about that for general health. But to actually flush out the virus, it, it is not effective. Um, and then uh, the other one, of course, was uh, the salt water gargle. Yeah. Again, there, there's no evidence, nothing to show that uh, salt water or uh, you know any type of solution that we gargle, whether it's uh, I've seen salt water, I've seen mouthwash, will actually kill the virus. So good hygiene is important. Saying hydrate is important, but there's nothing that we know of that we can actually drink to cure or kill the virus. Well, and like you said, like all, all four of us were talking about it before we actually hopped on the mics, and you know, I forget Jared, if, Jerry, if you said it or Chris, you said it that if something that basic was already being done, it would be all over the place and it would be a well-known yeah. thing that that is what's mm -hmm. fixing this so that makes that makes total sense so then what what is being done generally to treat this virus if you think you might have it oh that's a very good question so i mean there's there's several things so i mean that's that's a few questions packed into one there and so if you think you have it what do you do and and so that's a fear i think right now because it's not only coronavirus that we're seeing in the communities i mean even here in this area um, we've, you know, seen flu cases late in the seasons. There's flu cases all around the country right now that can mimic this. There's seasonal allergies. Everything mm -hmm. is blooming right now. So a yeah. lot of people are having allergy type symptoms that can be very confusing. So people are afraid, they're fearful, and they want to be tested for the, the coronavirus. Um, so, so first of all, it's important that we watch daily, check on uh, the CDC website, see what the latest recommendations are. But as of right now, the recommendation is that uh, if you're having mild symptoms and uh, not in distress, call your health care provider, call your primary health care provider. And if they deem necessary for you to have a test, they will direct you to one of the centers in there where you can actually obtain the test. Um, there are uh, several ways that we can get tested in this area. There is a drive-through location that's uh, opened as of uh, today at mm -hmm. uh, Ascension yeah. Sacred Heart in Pensacola, but you have to have an order, but you can't just show up there and yeah. get the test. Mm -hmm. And you know what I think what we'll do is I'll, I'll plug that down in the description below if, you, if you're out there and sure. you're listening and wondering, I, I'll put that down. Um, and it seems like those have kind of popped up all over. Um, I know I'm from Ohio originally, and there I still get a lot of notifications from that area. And there's a couple that have opened there, too. I think it's a great idea. Well, and again, trying to stay away from the politics, but I think it makes sense to sort of touch on the amount of what feels like absolute panic. You know, um, I know that, like you said, you've been around for a long time. I saw H1N1, um, and I just don't remember there being this much what feels to be chaos. Any idea why that may be? Well, I think now, um, as Jenna alluded to earlier, we have a l access to information really quick. And sometimes that's really good. It actually helps us um, with a lot of, you know, public health planning and managing some of these uh, different type of disasters that we can see throughout the world. But it also uh, can be detrimental um, mm -hmm. because it's overwhelming. And yeah. so as we're consuming all of this information every day, it's inducing stress. And it's uh, something that we can all see coming at us and we're continually afraid of it, but there's nothing that we can 
I shouldn't say there's nothing we can do. We feel powerless in the situation, but we're yeah. really yeah. not. There yeah, are you feel like you need do. to do something. Right, you feel yeah. like you need to do something. You're going to the grocery store and you're seeing the empty shelves, the empty aisles, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, we're not going to have enough, uh, you know, food to feed our family next week. We're not going to have, you know, toilet paper, whatever it is that it may be <laughs> out of in your area. So I think we are seeing, you know, a little bit of uh, panic right now. And I think uh, we all should, you know, take a deep breath and, um, you know, try to be calm in this situation mm-hmm. and think about, uh, be, be positive, think about the things that you can do. So some of those things are a little out of our control, but there are things that we can do uh, to protect ourselves and our family. And, you know, in general, as we discussed before the show, I think we have to start changing our mindset a little bit from protecting ourselves to what are we going to do to protect society, to protect mm-hmm. our friends and our family, to move from this mentality of what can we do to just stop ourselves from getting, of how can we contribute to minimize the spread of this in our communities? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and let's talk about that. So the common thing, of course, to prevent yourself from getting sick is wash your hands, don't touch your face. Are there any other recommendations that our listeners and watchers can be doing? That's been a common question. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, still hand washing is probably the number one thing that we can do and proper hand washing. Um, There's tons of questions out there about how do you wash your hands? What do you wash your hands with? Do you need antibacterial soap? We've seen that fly off the shelves everywhere and it's even hard getting it online now. Um, and that's not really necessary. These antibacterial soaps are designed for bacteria, not for viruses. This is a virus. What a great point. <laughs> and that's this. Thank and, you for bringing that yeah. up. <laughs> so regular good old fashioned soap and water will do a great job. Um, the key is washing your hands for the appropriate time, which is at least 20 seconds. And you want to use a vigorous scrub under warm running water and good old fashioned uh, soap will do the job there. And that's probably the number one thing that we can do uh, for more than that. Um, trying to maintain as healthy of a lifestyle as possible. And, and again, we kind of touched mm-hmm. base on this before. Yeah. All the things we see going off the shelves, there's still lots of fruits and vegetables in the grocery stores, right? And that's some yeah. things that we can do to try to uh, maintain our health by eating foods that are high in antioxidants, high in vitamin C, thing to, to necessarily try to uh, help boost our immunity so we can fight off things naturally ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, uh, taking it a step further is if you feel ill or feel sick at all, uh, isolate yourself. Don't go out in the public. Don't go out and expose others. So the minute that you start feeling sick, uh, stay at home. And if you have a known family member as the newest recommendations, if you have a known family member in the same household with coronavirus, then the entire household needs to isolate for 14 days. Okay. See, I, I did not realize that. And so uh, there was, a, there was specific questions about what are those symptoms themselves? And is it, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it temperature, cough, and any signs of shortness of breath? Are those the three main? Those are those are three, the top three, yes. Um, but there uh, are many people out there that may have minimal symptoms or no symptoms mm. at all. And that's one of the things that's concerning. And um, as I was on our way over here for the podcast, I was actually watching an interview with someone off the Diamond Prince's uh, cruise ship that her and her husband were both uh, diagnosed with coronavirus and neither had symptoms, which drives home the importance of uh, social isolation in this setting. So we all say, why is it important that we stay away? Why do we shut down restaurants? Why do we not go out in groups? Uh, what is what? <laughs> Moth just got in the studio. That's professional. Go ahead. So, so what is important? And, and it is because you can have uh, minor symptoms or be asymptomatic and still be transmitting this to other people that are vulnerable in our community. Yeah. But for those of you yep. who are, are wondering, the most common symptoms are going to be cough, uh, fever. And in fact, in some of the, the reports out of China um, in the hospitalized patient group, up to 90% of them had fever within 24 hours of presenting and being admitted in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we're not capturing all of that group that's never making it into the hospital that may have milder symptoms, but fever and uh, cough are very uh, common symptoms. 
GI complaints, very little on the list. I saw that on some of the questions. Okay. Or some on Facebook. So no need to hoard the toilet paper. No need to hoard the toilet paper. <laughs> a mild, a, a low number of patients may have GI complaints uh, with this virus, but it's on the lower end. Yeah, I think that's a key differentiation between right now with it being allergy season is that if you have a cough, it might just be your allergies. But if you have a fever, that's maybe when you should be differentiating the two. I think that's a good point of the social isolation you're not just protecting yourself, you're protecting others because you might have been exposed to it and you don't know. Correct. So I think that's a good point that you've brought up I didn't think about before. So, Jerry, this is a question for you because, I mean, being in family family medicine, I think this kind of pertains to you. So I've had the question directly to me and I've seen it everywhere on Facebook. You know, when is it time to stop going to the gym or to start working out at home? I can, of course, you know, answer the piece about how to do the actual workout, but um, – at what point is it? Because a lot of gyms around the country and I would imagine around the world are shutting down. What do you think? Is it time to stop going to the gym? I think it's time. And and why? Well, we just saw the recent CDC recommendations of the groups of 10 or less. And it's rare that you're going to walk into a gym that has 10 or less people, a classroom, a grocery store. So I think people need to be just aware of where you're going into. Um, you know, we, we know that the, how the virus is shed is not only shed in, in sputum, it's also in blood, okay. feces now. So you have to be aware of, you know, um, public restrooms. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that, I think now's the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think the point to that is that that doesn't mean you have to shut yourself in the house. You can still be outside. You can still be active. You're just supposed to be isolating yeah, yourself these are for socially. people who are like actively shedding the virus that we can find it in these yeah. different samples and we know that while you're actively shedding then you can be so it's not that you're going to catch this routinely from anybody that, that's out there it's for people who are actively infected and as we just pointed out we don't know who those patients are right right now. and assuming that you know assuming that you're not actively infected like we're just talking about the gym because you just sort of touched on it jenna that you don't want to just isolate yourself in in your house indefinitely because that's I mean that's no way to live your life. But you know if you can exclude you know if you go to the grocery store five times a week, maybe lessen that down to once or twice a week. You know just be smarter with your travel and you know picking and choosing where you're going. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. And I'm guilty. Like I, social distancing is hard for me. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. um, I know as, as this progresses and over the next few weeks, it's going to be more difficult and we're going to have to be a lot more cognizant of, of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think through all of this, we have to maintain some type of mental stability, mental clarity mm-hmm. in order to, to be aware of our surroundings. So um, like you were saying, going outside, that's one of the best things we can do. Yeah. Yeah. What was it that you, what was it that you were talking about? You remember you were telling me about the, the open windows and all that? Way back in the day? Oh, yeah. Before antibiotics, that's why the old hospitals had all the high windows and that opened because they thought that there was disinfecting properties and fresh air and sunlight. Um, And I guess there were some starts of some studies, but then we discovered antibiotics. So then (laughs) no one continued those studies. So that's pretty cool. I read that and then I went outside. Um, so I want to start reading a few questions. Uh, Footless Joe, she's actually been on this podcast. We love her to death. She said, uh, how can we best help or communicate with our doctors as patients? If someone feels they might uh, be coming down with something like the coronavirus, what is the next best step? Go to the doc, call ER, stay home. Um, you know, I think we touched on that, but like, do you think it starts with a phone call yes, to the doc? Start, yes, yeah. it starts with a phone call. 
And that's really important because um, not only if you think you have it, are you going to expose everyone in the doctor's office? Yeah. And then if their staff is exposed, they will not be available to take care of patients with other conditions that we still are going to be seeing in the healthcare system throughout this entire crisis. Um, and if you, it's not something that you'd normally go to the doctor for, I don't think you need to rush out to the doctor now because you think you're, you have coronavirus. Okay. I, mean, I think that's a, one of the things that we all need to keep in mind. If we have some mild allergy type symptoms, it is wise to stay away from other people in case you don't know, kind of keep yourself at home, take care of yourself, but don't uh, rush immediately to your doctor's office or to the nearest uh, emergency department. Obviously, if you're having more severe symptoms, shortness of breath, high fevers, then you do want to be evaluated for that. And whether that's a, a phone call and your physician directing you where he would like you to go from there, or if it's, a, you know, again, shortness of breath or something that, that is very different from your usual uh, when you have a cold, then you might want to go, even go to the nearest emergency department if, you, if you're having severe shortness of breath. I don't want to direct anybody away from that if they sure. need that care. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, as much common sense as possible. But, uh, and I, I think that's the big point. So, Jenna and I work um, at a hospital here in town, and, you know, that's been the big thing that they're saying. Like, if you flood the ERs, if you flood the doctor's office, um, they, like you just said, we can't effectively treat everybody, you know, especially the people that need to be treated. So, um, so there was another question that was asked, will petting my cat, uh, that goes outside, put me at risk of catching the virus. So, so no, it's not going to put you at risk of catching the virus. Uh, oh. however, interesting enough, and I did read through the latest, uh, CDC guidelines on the way over here. And they recommend if you have the virus that you avoid petting your animals okay, and have someone else in your household care for that if you can. I think it's not clear. It's I don't think that the animals are, are transmitting this to us, but just like we don't know how long virus this particular virus lives on different types of surfaces, we also don't know if, if it lives on the, you know, the pet for a period of time. And that can be a means of cross-contamination if that pet is going to other members of the family. Mm -hmm. So that recommendation on their side, you know, the way I interpret it at least, is primarily for people who are diagnosed with coronavirus uh, okay. and caring for their pets, not just because you happen to have a pet that, that goes outside. You're not going to just catch this from your pet going outside of the bathroom and coming back in. Okay. Yeah. And gotcha. that that leads perfectly into the next question that Alex asks. Um, once someone gets uh, and recovers from the coronavirus, how worried do you need to be? Like, what is the possibility of immunity? And I think we were talking about it off the mics. You said, like, do we know yet? Do yeah, we truly I know? I think it's too early for us to tell, um, you know, if you're going to have immunity and if so, how long that immunity will last. Yeah. Um, we know from other coronaviruses and other types of viruses that we've dealt with that usually we do build an immune response to it. And it's uncommon that you get the, the same one again, at least in the short run. So there have been some reports out there of people testing positive within, you know, three to, to five days of being pronounced uh, that they're cured and taken off isolation. And um, those are those are very few. So I don't think we know quite yet how that's going to be. I think, you know, possibly we have to look at those tests and see if there was inaccurate testing and maybe they were released off, uh, mm. you know, their, their treatment too soon. And we're still shedding the virus and then they caught that later on. Um, and so we don't quite know is the answer to that question, yeah. uh, but uh, presuming that it behaves, uh, similar to other viruses, we should have some immunity to this if we recover from it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to shut my mouth for a minute and let you talk, Jenna. No, do you have more? I actually do. I have okay. plenty more. Um, so Carrie asked the question, I understand, you know, washing, washing my hands, working and working in healthcare, healthcare, washing my hands, um, 
but as to not bring it home to the family, and I think we touched on it, but is there anything else we can be doing besides washing our hands? And I thought, like, what about disinfecting things like washing, like cleaning your phone and, and those things? I don't know if we've touched on that fully yet. Um, well, I mean, I've read some recommendations as far as, I mean, basically just making sure you wash your clothes before you bring it in all the way into your house. This is That's groundbreaking. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just some simple things like that where you kind of, you don't think about, you you know, you come in, um, you, you know, you take your work clothes off, you throw them in the hamper and what else touches those clothes? What touched your clothes before you took them off? Same thing with your shoes. Um, I think that's just being more cognizant, cognizant of that. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything to add. I don't know, Jerry. If you yeah, basically, what you we just had this conversation before we left to come here earlier today because he's going back into the hospital. And what do we do at that point? Okay, you know. And so we talked about the disinfection of the shoes before it comes into the house. Just leave them outside in a Clorox bath, basically a bleach bath. That's a good idea. Um, and we're, the scrubs will just go straight to the wash. Okay. That's a good idea. Oh, and, and that and, brings up a good question. I'm sorry. And from some of the recommendations, again, I, I did kind of look over some of this in preparation, um, you know, and, and the World Health Organization has their own recommendations. The CDC has their own recommendations. Um, and so a lot of people are asking, can I wash my clothes with other family members um, if they have coronavirus? Can we mm. mix our laundry That's a really together? good question. And so, yeah, as far as we know, that there's no reason not to, but I would be, you know, uh, cautious. Again, use ac- extra, you know, measures. So, um, there's no reason to wash your clothes, keep them clean. That's the best thing we can do. But if you're doing your laundry and you happen to be caring for somebody, take the extra measures of, you know, um, washing your hands thoroughly after you put them into into the laundry. If you're in healthcare and you're coming home, take the extra measures to do something to sanitize your your shoes, leave them outside or, or your uh, your clothing. And I think those are measures that we've probably all taken at some point yeah. working mm-hmm. around infectious disease um, in the critical care setting throughout our careers. Yeah. It made sense to do even before the coronavirus. Yeah. And uh, Matt's ADD moment. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people don't actually realize that the coronavirus is not brand new. And you touched on that. I want to retouch on that, that the coronavirus is not brand new. There have been other coronaviruses. This strand is just different. Is that accurate? Correct. I mean, coronavirus is a general category of viruses, and it refers to the actual shape of the virus and and a crown-like shape, which is uh, corona is where that word is derived from. Um, So the way it looks uh, when we look at this under a microscope, uh, it's this particular strain that's different. And so just as we have... Uh, you know, different types of viruses, rhinovirus, coronavirus, there's the different flu viruses, different strains, and they kind of mutate and change over time. And our bodies, uh, some things we've been exposed to in the past, and our body will recognize it. And uh, when we're exposed to it again, it induces um, an immune response where we attack that and, and destroy that organism before it is uh, causes detrimental effects in our body. We haven't seen this before. So when our body sees it, um, we don't quite know why some people have such a massive response mm. to this and others pretty mild as we, we kind of mm. touched on some people are asymptomatic, but we know the older you get and the mo- more problems you have, the, the more issues that you'll have when you're exposed to this virus. And yep. we don't know quite why yet. And that's, that's also another good segue. Uh, Brianna asked, I work at a daycare, uh, read more, I read, um, more, come on, Matt, spit it out. Children aren't getting sick. Uh, I have asthma. I've battled pneumonia a few times in the last three years. I'm worried because the preschool environment is notorious for a germ being a germ factory. Should I be overly concerned? Should day should daycares close along with schools? That's a loaded question. <laughs> that is a loaded question. Um, and you know, 
I guess we shouldn't think of our children as germ factories, but we all know that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is very difficult uh, to, to teach kids to do some of the things that we're recommending for the general public. Uh, to not touch their face, to not put their hand in the mouth, to not pick things up off the floor, to wash their hands for 20 All those things are very difficult uh, to get children, especially of the preschool age, to do. Mm -hmm. um, also, they're not showing symptoms to the degree that we're seeing in adults. And, and so they may be carriers are able to transmit this disease to the more vulnerable population okay. that we're not aware of. But in general, we haven't seen the, the response in children that we see in uh, you know, adults once they get in their seventh and eighth decade of life. So it doesn't, it's, it doesn't sound like children would be any worse of a carrier or passing it along than some, anybody else, an adult. Correct. I don't think that children have some, you know, it, it's not that they can't get this virus. We're just not seeing the, the response where they're at this point becoming as critically ill as we're yep. seeing with the older adults, but they could still, in fact, have coronavirus. They could still uh, carry this virus and they could still transmit it to others, whether it's to the grandparents or parents yeah. or people in the daycare uh, setting. Um, Dr. Fauci uh, addressed this very briefly. And, on and if, if you haven't really been watching the news, Dr. Fauci, he's been like the leading person that's really been talking about the coronavirus, right? Correct. Yeah. And there was a, just before this podcast, a couple hours ago, he was, um, he did it, uh, was in part of a news conference um, that they had some updated recommendations. And this was a question, should daycares be closing along with schools? Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't want to want to quote him without having it in front of me. But it was a very nuanced answer, and I think what he read from was that basically, if it's an impacted area that you're seeing spikes in cases in your area, then that should be strongly considered. Mm. Um, it, it, which you know opens a whole host of other things. What do you do with these children? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, where do they go? Who cares for them? Do they have meals provided for them? So it is a loaded question, but it's something we need to think about, and especially uh, if you have a. Uh, providers that are immunocompromised that are working in these centers, you know, they, they need to reevaluate uh, what they can do uh, to care for them themselves in this situation. Yeah. And not to, not to go too deep into that, but I, I think, you know, you, the listener, if, if you didn't really catch on to what he's just saying there, you know, let's say that we do close down schools or daycares, you know, a lot of these nurses and doctors and healthcare workers in general, they have kids that are there. So who's going to take care of the kids? They got to go home. So who's taking care of the parents, you know, not to mention like, normal, normal, um, common issues that are already coming through the emergency room doors or coming to the hospital, that isn't going away. You know, heart attacks, strokes, all the things that hospitals already deal with, that has to be dealt with on top of this influx. Um, so that, you know, you're saying that's a, a loaded question and a very, very particular to that area. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking about the conversely, if your kids still go into daycare and they're getting exposed to the coronavirus and then bringing it home to their parents to then yeah. be going to work as essential personnel. I mean, there's pros and cons to both yeah, sides of doubt. that. Um, yeah, without a doubt. What you got over there? You got a whole notebook uh, full of stuff. Uh, I mean, I think we've answered a lot of <laughs> oh, these good. questions. I think one thing that we haven't touched on is how we know that the social distancing is working or how long do we need to wait to really be seeing those true results of, is it working? Probably at least, you know, at least a couple of weeks, right? Because we know that uh, once someone is infected, uh, 
probably most people will show symptoms within five to seven days, but that period can go all the way up to a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, if we all were to take these measures and be very strict with them across the country today, start today and and maintain these measures, we would hope that we would see an impact on this within two weeks. Um, Right now, we have seen a, a very sharp spike and increase in the number of cases. And um, so I think it, it demonstrates that the measures up until this point have not been effective. Um, and so we are seeing drastic measures, things that, that we've certainly never seen in our lifetime uh, in the U.S. in terms of uh, closures of schools, uh, you know, uh, restaurants closing in certain parts of the country where they're having large numbers of cases. Um, just in Northern California, I believe uh, earlier today, they're actually asking people to shelter at home and in mm. a number of counties there. Uh, because of the, the number of cases mm-hmm. that they're seeing uh, increase in that area. So they're asking them to shelter in, their, in place. And so we may see that uh, move to other parts of the country as the, these case numbers increase. Okay. Yeah, I've seen a, uh, several areas that are closing restaurants. They're just taking, like, takeout orders. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's enough? Do you think takeout orders are still going to be risky? I just talked to a restaurant owner earlier here, a local owner that we know in um and he said that's coming or to his restaurant that mm-hmm. he, he predicts that within the next week, that's the service that they'll be providing. Mm-hmm. And hopefully after that, that, you know, if, after a couple of weeks, they'll be back to normal. Um, the other concern is the supply of food. Yeah. Wow. In my head, I'm just sitting here and I'm just thinking about the social and financial impact that this have that, that, that this has, you know, that the NBA is shut down, March Madness, March Madness is shut down. There's just been so much that's been shut down with good reason. I'm not saying, oh, we need to start it back up because of money. But you just think about how intricate and how detailed and how deep this goes, um, especially for small business owners of just you know, keeping the doors open. So that that's, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for parents too, you know, you had school for your kids to go to and now do you, you having to pay for daycare or babysitter for you to go to work if your job is still open. And you know, there's, that's just that whole snowball effect. People are going to be under a lot of stress. Yeah. Correct. I mean, this is, you know, this has definitely uh, affected uh, businesses and industries throughout the U.S. I mean, on a very small level, we've seen it uh, from our aesthetic practice um, where we've actually taken proactive measures to try to, to do our part with the social distancing, scheduling patients um, further apart, not taking as many appointments in the day. Um, so we can use extra measures to, to use germicidals between patients, pre-screening patients at least, uh, you know, a couple of times before they come in about their travel, their history. Um, and so, you know, like I said, that's from a really, really small perspective of we have a small business here and, and it's had that impact. So um, I can only extrapolate that out and, and you know, the travel mm-hmm. industry is oh hurting gosh. tremendously with this. So it's impacting a lot of areas of, of society. You know, the, the, on the positive note, I don't want this whole whole podcast to be about doom and gloom, right? So there are things that we can do, and I think we've talked about some of those issues. But if we look at the, at, uh, you know, the, the history of this in China, it, it's all right now we're, we're getting the brunt of this because we're seeing the spike of cases here in the U.S. But if we look back in December when they just had the first four cases reported there and they didn't quite know what the, that was, and then how this, you know, cases over the month of January and into early February really spiked and we watched them as, as, as the world, we watched over in China as they dealt with this, this horrible epidemic in that, uh, you know, the area that was hardest hit. And uh, now we're in mid-March and they're closing down the hospitals that were built just a month ago. So they are seeing a sharp mm-hmm. decline in their wow. cases, but they did very strict social isolation measures, quarantine measures. They got extremely aggressive 
with managing these patients and, and, and trying to keep this under control. Okay. And, uh, you know, a, a few other the points that I would like to make, uh, you know, before we, we finish up here, um, uh, there's a lot of discussion about if most people are going to get this anyway. If we know that over time, a lot of people are going to get it, why don't we just let everybody get it and, and see who will build up their immunity to it and what will happen. You know, the, the thing is, even if we can delay these cases by a few weeks, um, the impact that we can have on the actual total number of, of cases a month and two months down the road is, is tremendous because we don't want to overwhelm our healthcare systems. Yeah. So we have seen that some of these measures have worked uh, in other areas. And I think that uh, as a society, if we all do our part and, uh, you know, view this, that we will get through this. And, and you know, this is going to be uh, longer than most of us are accustomed to. It's not like a, you know, a hurricane. It's coming out as quick. We don't have a lot of time to prepare for it. So we get nervous. We, we see this anxiety and this panic for a few days, but then the event is done and it's over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we all kind of recover and rebuild and, and try to get our lives back on track. This event, we've watched it coming for months now. We have this built up anxiety, this, this fear of what's coming. And now we're seeing this slow increase in numbers. And so we're going to see that increase as we do more testing, we are going to see those numbers increase. I mean, I think we should all just prepare for that and expect it, but we don't want to overwhelm our health care system. So if we can delay these cases, the longer we can delay it, the more chance that we'll have effective either antiviral treatment. Vaccines are still a long ways off for this, but we may have more treatment options and we won't have all these patients uh, flooding into our healthcare system mm -hmm. at once. You bring up a good point that just because we're seeing a spike in number of confirmed cases, just because we're testing, testing. more. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. And it's knowing that this is not the peak, I think is a, it's a good thing to adopt. And I think that helps bring down some of that panic, even though like nothing's really been fixed, but to know like it's, it's going to get a little bit darker before it gets light. Um, but you're right. I think, I think keeping that positive mindset. And again, I, I just keep, I keep fumbling through questions here. Um, and you touched on this in the beginning that I thought that this was airborne in the beginning. Um, and that was the question. Uh, Gregor said, uh, is, the, is the virus, does it linger in the air for extended periods of, periods of time, like I've read? Um, does it apply to outdoors? So does it linger in the air for two hours or whatever? That's also really interesting. And in there's a lot of factors that, that go into that, um, you know, temperature, humidity. And so we know that with other viruses and we look at flu viruses, most of those, when, if we've been in healthcare for any period of time, we've used droplet precautions for all of that. And so in, in more humid situations, a lot of these things tend to, to be weighted down and fall to the ground. So if we cough, if we sneeze, a lot of those particles go down to the ground. Whereas if you're in a really cold, dry climate and you're coughing a lot, then some of those particles can live in there. I don't know that the answer to how long. I don't think anybody can tell you that for certain. Yeah. But I think that one of the things that, that we uh, do know and that we, we are aware of right now is that things that we're doing in healthcare, things that we're doing in our emergency departments and in our intensive care units where we're having to induce uh, uh, aerosols, that it's more likely that it's going to be uh, within a certain distance of that patient in the air for a little period of time. And so we are using N95 mask, and we are using airborne precautions for aerosol generating procedures such as intubations or bronchoscopies where we're doing washings, things that we're going to be inducing a lot of cough and sputum and the viral particles are going to be in the air. Um, you know, other than that, the, the whole discussion about what's appropriate uh, 
personal protective equipment. I think if we had an unlimited supply of N95 masks, yeah. we would probably all feel better if we put those on. But there's a lot of, uh, you know. It goes even deeper than that right there, too. So, And if you're unaware what an N95 mask is, it's a very occlusive mask that's used in a hospital se setting typically. But I know it's also used in, um, like, if you, uh, like, I know if you work a around a lot of dust and you want don't want to get particles in your lungs, but all the the years that all four of us have used them it's a very occlusive mask it's a very tight fit um and it's the the best and you have to go through a testing process you have to go through a test to make sure, sure yep. it's so, like you can't like i have a little bit of facial hair right now i probably wouldn't pass it like it's it's very particular and i think that you know a lot of people ordered these up off of amazon they bought them from everywhere and it's it's actually difficult for healthcare systems to get their their hands on them and I just don't like it's not like you're going to pick that N95 mask up and everything's fine. Same thing goes with the surgical mask, which is that very simple mask. It's got the little loops that go around your ears. That probably does next to nothing. Well, it was um, really, really fascinating. A, a couple of weeks ago when all of this was just starting to ramp up, we were in New York teaching a class. Um, and on the flight home, of course, people were starting to talk about this. We were seeing more masks on the airplanes. And it was fascinating to watch everyone on the plane with a mask and how much they touch their face more mm. yep. and the problem is the mask can get contaminated with anything on there it you go. as well and they're pulling the mask down to drink from the flight attendant you know they're they're <laughs> eating under the mask putting their hands <laughs> under there so they're touching yeah. their mask and then touching their face and so your actual risk of contamination if they're not used properly is probably even higher from the constant adjusting and touching on your face yeah. and so it's not used or recommended for healthy people that are not showing symptoms um, for that, that reason alone. It's not mm -hmm. like the masks themselves, uh, you know, have something dangerous with them, but people tend to not use them properly, especially if they're not mm -hmm. trained uh, yep. in the proper use. Yep. Yeah. Makes and sense. that's such a segue into, you know, this, again, this podcast is all about implementing behavior change for your long-term wellness and happiness. And that right there is just, you know, I think the question still lies, well, then what do we do if the masks don't work? And, you know, okay, we isolate ourselves. It, it still goes back to, you know, washing your hands. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. that it's that behavior change piece. And I, I want to ask each of you individually, um, and Jenna, I'll start with you. What is one thing that you think we could do behavior change wise to positively impact this situation because i think it's one thing to look at a governing governing body but what is one thing that you the listener or the viewer can do um something that impacted me today looking through all the information is um the people who are being released from quarantine in china that there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like people are being released. They're recovering. They're doing well. This isn't all doom and gloom. We're all not going to get sick. Um, you know, there, this is a very serious thing that's happening, but people are making it through it. And I think that's a great thing of us not being the first country to be impacted is that we're watching, you know, a couple of months down the road yeah. from our standpoint, what's going to happen. Yeah. So, for, um, so to look for the good, yeah. you know, with all of this negativity, I mean, we spent 42 minutes and 18 seconds talking <laughs> about mostly negative things. <laughs> yeah. You know, there is, there is positive. I mean, you know, there's, there's things that you can do on a daily basis, I think, to impact people, not panicking, looking for the good of, hey, I already have a couple packs of toilet paper at home. This person <laughs> over here probably needs some. I'm not going to take it all from the store. Um, <laughs> you know, being mindful and looking for the good. I think there's always good that you can find. Yeah. 
Jerry, what do you think? I, th- I think it's uh, it's she said it perfectly. One of the main things is to be able to maintain some type of mental clarity through this. Yeah, because everywhere we turn, whether we turn on the radio, we turn, we look on YouTube, we look on our Facebook. We used it. It was fun at one point, and yeah. it was all good. We looked to see what our families were doing, and now we look and we see, mm-hmm. you know, just chaos. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so um, I think finding your spot. Find your place. Find what what relieves your anxiety, so that you can maintain enough sense about yourself that you that you're not putting yourself in danger or putting yourself in danger. Whether it's meditation or exercise or yoga or you mentioned fresh air. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it does us good. Yeah, it really does. You are uh, you're just you're just singing you're just singing praises right now. <laughs> I love everything of what you're saying, Jerry. <laughs> right up my alley, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for me, any of you guys that are listening that, that know me or, or Jerry, uh, you know, we, we love travel. We travel extensively and, and we have altered that. We've canceled all of our travel for the near future, yeah. um, which, you know, is a bit anxiety provoking in and of itself. But I think that's given us a chance then to refocus on some of the things that we can do here and some of the, the things that, that we enjoy that uh, maybe necessarily doesn't involve as high risk activities. Um, I was out working, you know, and, and gardening, planting plants today, enjoying some fresh air, being <laughs> outside, but away from people. And this is a temporary uh, thing. I realize that. And I think it's important for us all to realize as a society what we can uh, do. It's a very serious topic and it does seem, uh, you know, doom and gloom for all these minutes that, we, that we've talked about it. And uh, I, I would like people to take this very seriously. I feel that, that certain uh, pockets of our country have not taken this seriously mm-hmm. until now. And we're seeing some of that. But it's, you know, refocus. See, see what we can do. Whether, again, Jerry mentioned meditation, yoga, some of those mm-hmm. things. Gardening for me. I love being outside. Um, you know, obviously, if you're in a crowded area, you may not be able to, to enjoy that. But, but go out on your porch, walk out, out, mm-hmm. out your front door and just enjoy a little fresh air. Find something that helps you relax, helps you refocus your mind. Um, and, and don't stay 24-7 looking at, at the news because it will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep yourself updated, but don't yeah. focus on it It'll all bring the time. you down. It'll, it'll bring you down. Yeah. It'll absolutely bring you down. Well, and, you know, What's well, interesting? Well, what's your answer? Well, and that's what I was getting into. Oh, you know me. I'll, I'll give you my. Let me pull <laughs> he, the he's mic. He's gonna give us his thoughts. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I'm seeing in the fitness community, unfortunately, there have been a there have been uh, some people trying to capitalize on this, um, and even outside of the fitness community, there have been people trying to capitalize on this crisis, and you know. It, keto and vegan and certain diets have been pushed saying that it's going to cure the coronavirus or it's going to fix your symptoms or whatever. Um, There's no basis to that. There's no truth to that. And I I just think it's so important that at this point, yes, keeping positive and all of the, I fully agree with everything that you all just said, but I think intentionally trying to spread kindness when there is so like, I know that sounds so corny, but Intentionally trying to spread kindness when there's so much negativity that everyone listening or watching this knows that they are seeing. And I think that that's so important because it's one thing for us to listen to a governing body saying, what are we going to do? How are we going to get this better? Like, what are you guys going to do to fix this? Right. What, what are they going to do? What accountability? Yeah. What, are what, you account- gonna do? what accountability are you going to take for yourself and the people around you? Um coincidentally enough, uh, a childhood friend, Heather Williams, she posted this the other day and I was like, I've got to mention this. Uh, she said, uh, 
if the school if the school closures have you concerned about your child not being able to eat breakfast or lunch, let me know. I will um, I will help in any way that I can. A box of cereal, a gallon of milk, bread, peanut butter, and gel- jelly. Uh, just let me know. Uh, PM me. No judgment. And I just thought that like that just that snippet of kindness mm-hmm. does so much for the next person that's next door panicking. Mm-hmm. So I think intentionally spreading that kindness is just huge. I, I really do. Yeah, I agree with that. Me over here with my whimsical, happy thoughts. Guys, this was awesome. <laughs> I, I really appreciate y'all talk, taking the time out of your Thanks busy schedules to do yeah, this. Yeah. Glad we could catch y'all on now that you're not traveling as much. I'm glad we could catch you. <laughs> We're happy <having laughs> to come back on a happier note sometime. Absolutely. Yes. Well, yeah. it's, it, and that's so coincidental. We, I almost touched my face again. I almost touched my face again. It's so coincidental. We've been wanting to have the both of you on for quite some time and it's just been schedule. That's been the only mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, so look, there's some more good coming out of this coronavirus. Yeah, next bringing, time, let's talk about a lighter subject. Yes, <laughs> please, uh, bringing people together. Um, again, we're gonna we're gonna provide links down below about uh, about their private practice, and uh, I'm gonna provide links down below at least for the local area of these drive-through clinics and the process and the proper way to go about it. I'm not gonna give you a location where you just need to drive through. Um, you got any anything you want to wrap up, Ben? Yeah, stop touching your face. <laughs> Stop touching your faces. I fully agree. Wash your hands. Yeah, that sounds like me. I remind you 20 times a day, (laughs) stop touching your face. Stop touching your face. It's tough. It's It's really tough. It's tough. And the more you focus on it, the more you want to do it. Absolutely. My nose is itching so bad right now. My chin is just Uh so bad. (laughs) Yep. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to this podcast, I truly appreciate you. Subscribe to it. We post uh, an episode every Tuesday and here lately, an episode every Friday. So thank you so much for the both of you coming on. This was awesome. And guys... We'll talk to you next week. This has been the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast. We want to thank you for listening and invite you to subscribe to the show as well. And follow Matt Lane Fitness on YouTube. Until next time, you don't have to be perfect. Just be better than yesterday every day. Man, that was good. What if your shirt has a coronavirus? (sighs) I have a doctor and nurse practitioner to help me, I guess. (laughs)